is like a sword fight. You must think first, before you move. Style is immensely strong and immune to nearly any weapon. When it's properly used, it's almost invincible. I'ma give it to ya, with no trivia Roll like cocaine straight from Bolivia My hip-hop will rock and shock the nation Like the Emancipation Alright, alright, alright Welcome back, welcome back You know what time it is It's the Fan in the Van podcast time Ooh, My God All you Red Sox fans out there Well, the ones that are non-knowledgeable You got every excuse under the sun To why you can't beat the Yankees And... Let's just be brutally honest here. For the Red Sox, I understand they can go on a tear, win 10, 12 straight. But at this point, I get, you know, you could sit there, you could say it's still early in the year. But let's just be honest. When there's a 16-game lead between you and the Yankees, it's as good as done. I mean, the Blue Jays, who were supposed to be, they were supposed to be a legitimate threat to the Yankees this year, and it ain't their year either. You know, look at Baltimore. Baltimore has won, I think, like six, seven straight. Nobody's giving them the credit that they deserve. I mean, calling these young kids up and doing what they're doing and beating teams you don't think they're supposed to beat. I mean, they're only four, they're three, four games away from being an even 500. And you know, people can sit there and you can say, well, you know, the Yankees are playing in a weak division. It's been said. We've heard it. it. But is it the Yankees' fault that these other teams they play can't put up runs or they just blow leads or they can't come back or they can't anything? No, it's not the Yankees' fault. The Yankees are doing what the Yankees should be doing. And the Yankees are scoring runs when they're supposed to. You know, they're hitting when they're supposed to. You know, for a majority of the game anyway. And and they're winning games. And not only are they winning games, they're winning series and they're sweeping a lot of them. You know, if it was the Mets doing this, and the Mets were the same way the Yankees were at the beginning of the year until you lost Scherzer and you lost DeGrom. Okay? And then, you know, they had the, you know, the little downfall and, you know, and their lead has gone down. Uh, as I check here real quick. Their lead is now two and a half. Atlanta's been on a tear, you know, I think like 12 straight, whatever it was. You know, Philly's been pretty decent as of late. You know, the Marlins are going to be what the Marlins are, even though they're two games away from 500. And the Nationals are just abysmal. And, you know, you got Mets fans out there saying, well, you know, the Yankees play in a weak division. You know, again, it's not a weak division. It's just, it's not Toronto's year. It's not Boston's year. This is something that's unprecedented where you don't have at least two teams nipping at each other for that AL East lead. And you've always had that with the Yankees and the Red Sox. It would be for a majority of the year, the Red Sox would be there. Then the Yankees would climb back and take, you know, and overstep them. And then Boston would overstep them for a game or two. Then the Yankees would come back and it would be a dogfight to the bitter end. You don't have that this year. And what, you, and what you could also attribute to the Yankees' success is that Stanton's been healthy for a majority of the year. And that Stanton's hitting. That Judge has been healthy for a majority of the year. And that Stanton's hit, And that Judge is hitting. And, you know, 
that DJ LeMayu is becoming a DJ LeMayu of old, and that Glaber is playing pretty decent this year. You know, a lot of people say, you know, we should be thanking Cashman for making the trade to get Josh Donaldson. Yeah, he's been a nice addition, but again, my viewpoint on it is not going to change. I don't think you should have traded youth for a contract for a guy who has been injury prone. I understand Josh Donaldson's come through a lot, but at the same time, you financially controlled Gio Urshela. Now, you know, again, do we owe cash? Do we do we have to give Cashman some credit for taking the risk? Yes, absolutely we have to give him credit for it. Doesn't mean we have to like it. You know, we could agree to disagree. You know, you may listen and you could say, I love the Donaldson trade. And there's people out there that love the trade. And that's fine. And you're, you're entitled to it. You know, I didn't like it from the standpoint from a financial situation where if you weren't going to go out and get Correa and you weren't going to go out and try to get Matt Olson or Chapman or this guy or that guy, and instead you traded for this 36, 37-year-old third baseman, you know, and you have to pay him over the course of two years a grand total of 50-plus million, that's where I have the issue with that trade. Was it a smart move? Some say yes, some say no. I Listen, right now it's panning out. If it didn't pan out, the ones that love the trade, you'd be sitting there bashing it saying, well, we should have never done it. But you can't say that because you were the ones that were in an uproar for it. So you can't change your mind now and sit there and say, now I hate this trade. Unfortunately, when it comes to the world of sports, you have to eat what you say. I've had to eat a lot of what I've said said over the course of many, many years with certain teams I root for. Okay? And, 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 and that's just that. But, you know, I was reading this morning, and for the life of me, and I'm sure my buddies at 1420 Sports will agree, Gene Carlo Stanton does not need to be in the home run derby. We've seen what the home run derby has done to, to certain guys for a few games after the All-Star break. It messes up your, your bat speed, your, your timing. It messes everything up. And Stanton's going to go up there, and he's going to be swinging for the fucking parking lot and probably friggin' have an oblique strain by the time it's over with, and then all of a sudden Stanton can't play for two months. Can, can Stanton really afford to do that? Can the Yankees afford to let Stanton do it? No and no. That would be like if Aaron Judge was to be like, you know what? We're in L.A. I'm going to be in the home run derby. That would be the biggest mistake for Aaron Judge. And that's why you don't hear Aaron Judge's name in the home run derby whatsoever. Whatsoever, you do not hear it. And I don't think Stanton needs to do it either. I get the home run derby is exciting. The long ball, how far can they hit it? You know, I, 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 get, the, I get the pageantry of it. But... If you're Gene Carlos Stanton, who's been injury-prone over the course of the past three years, don't take the chance. And it's the same thing with the Mets, with Pete Alonso. Does Pete Al- I, I, I don't know if Pete Alonso's in it or not. I haven't read it yet. But if Pete Alonso's in it, the Mets can't really afford to have Pete Alonso in the home run derby either. Let's be real about it. And I'm sure a lot of Mets fans will agree. But there'll be Mets fans who go, oh, I love Polar Pete. And I love when he bombs one out of the park. Yeah, you're going to love it when you hear after the All-Star break, Pete Alonso's out two to four weeks with an oblique strain. 
you, 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 you're going to be happy then? You know, and, and, and for Mets fans, you know, they're jumping off the bridge. Like my buddy Rob, you know, he goes, he's, I, 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 I love when he posts on Facebook. He's like, this Mets team drives me crazy. And I understand, but what you have to grasp is this. This isn't Mets teams like years past. I understand they, you know, that they, you know, they came out of the, they came out to the start of the year, hot, you know, I get that they had they had a decent sized lead, but you knew what was going to happen. You knew the Braves would get hot. You knew the Phillies would catch steam. You just knew it was going to happen, and I said it that if the Grommer Scherzer went down for a period of time, you were going to hit a rough patch, and you've hit it. But now you have Scherzer back. DeGrom is, <coughs> DeGrom is on his way back. And DeGrom, in his first minor league start, was hitting triple digits. 102, 101, and 100. And he's practically unhittable. And speaking of DeGrom, because there's all these reports that I'm reading, whether he opts in or opts out. If he opts out, you better hope he does not go to Atlanta. Because Atlanta right now is the front-running team to go sign DeGrom if he opts out at the end of the year. You better hope he doesn't go there. You better hope he doesn't go to the Yankees. Because you know the Yankees will be all in on it if he opts out. You know the Dodgers will be all in on it. The Red Sox will be all in on it. You know, the Brewers could be all in on it. The Padres could be all in on it. Um, You know... I don't see him going to a team where it's kind of like a rebuild situation. He'd probably want to go to a team that's in win-now mentality. And those teams are obviously Atlanta, obviously LA, obviously the Yankees. Or if Steve Cohen pretty much hands him a blank check and says, write them out in the total box and, <laughs> and I'll sign it. That's about the only way I see DeGrom staying. Unless DeGrom... Just has a change of heart and says, you know what? You guys are paying me enough. Who knows what can happen? I don't want to jeopardize it. So I'm going to stay. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. And another interesting thing I seen, I was watching something this morning real quick. Robbie Anderson was on some like sports talk show or podcast video with LaShawn McCoy and a couple other guys, and they brought up the the no statement. Now, you could perceive the no statement in two ways. Now, I think the way Robbie Anderson's perceiving it is a way to kind of save face now that Baker is in Carolina. Is And I understand, I understand part of what he's saying, because him and Darno have a chemistry from when they were with the Jets together. I understand that. But I also think a part of it is he really didn't want Baker there because he feels what a lot of us feel is that Baker is not what Baker Mayfield really is. Now, granted, yes, again, he has made Cleveland football relevant again. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. But, but, what's he going to do in Carolina? Now is the key thing. He doesn't have the biggest names, but he has some decent names there. But, Again, McCaffrey's got to stay healthy. This is the key component. McCaffrey's got to be healthy for them to be this offensive juggernaut every Panther fan thinks they're going to be now. Robbie Anderson, I honestly, when he when he said no, I took it as he thinks Baker's trash. And that's, I forget the one guy, he goes, 
He goes, I took it as you were thinking that he's a trash quarterback. You wanted nothing to do with him. And he's like, no, it's just more of the, you know, we have a chemistry. But chemistry can evolve. It can, it, it can evolve between Baker and Robbie Anderson. It could, but we don't know yet. And, you know, Robbie Anderson had a valid point in defending Darno that his you know, being brought in, his whole development was all screwed up. And of course, because that's the jet way to do things. And I'll be honest, I agree with Robbie Anderson. Because he took Lamar Jackson and Mahomes as two prime examples. They didn't start right away. And look especially how Mahomes has developed. Lamar could get there if he improves on his accuracy. Because he's got all the other tools. It's just the, it's just the accuracy that's his biggest flaw. And if you're a Ravens fan that listens, and I know there's one in particular that's going to listen, you can't disagree. You know, I get he's had 400-yard-plus games, but look at those games where he's overthrown or underthrown Mark Andrews, and Mark Andrews has had to either come back to the ball or he's had to hustle to get to the ball. If he improves his accuracy, Lamar Jackson is without a doubt a legit... Not that he's not already a legitimate threat at quarterback. But he would be an even bigger legitimate threat to where, well, we can't stop him when he's throwing the ball, and we can't stop him when he's running. The only thing that would probably be able to stop Lamar Jackson is the National Guard with fucking shotguns at this point. So, you know, so in defense to Darno, yes, the Jets did fuck Sam Darno up. Let's be real about it. Because Sam Darno wasn't bad in USC. He obviously wasn't that bad to get drafted three overall in 18, right? So, I mean, is Darno really that bad? No. It's just his development. And it's the same thing, you know, when you look at Daniel Jones. And again, yes, we can make fun of the fact that Gettleman took him sixth overall when you had endless guys there you could have taken. Okay. But look at what Daniel Jones has had to go through with the Giants. An inept GM, two different coaches, two different, two to three different offensive coordinators. You know, how are these guys supposed to develop when there isn't a constant? When it's, when it's different offensive coordinators in and out the door, like Deshaun Watson in and out of massage parlors, okay? How are they supposed to develop? How are they supposed to learn the real game of football? They can't. And you could sit there and say, well, you know... You're sitting there defending Darnold, but now how's he supposed to improve with Baker there? Well, one or two options. Either Darnold sits there and he accepts his role as the number two, or Darnold goes to a team in desperate need of a quarterback where he can start and progress. And that's what should have happened in New York, but it didn't. I think, honestly, if you had Darnold with this Jet team now, I think they would be better than what they are with Zach Wilson. And you could call me crazy for thinking it. But if you gave Darno the weapons, an offensive line, and a good defense, I think he, and with Robert Sala, and with an offensive coordinator, and you kept that in, in and you kept that for a good solid three, four years, Sam Darno is a better quarterback than what he is now. And you could agree and you could disagree about it, but 
that's just what it is at the end of the day. That's just what it is. You know, nobody expected, and you could go back to 04. And you could go back to the to, to the infamous 04 draft. Nobody knew again, and I'll use Ben as the example. Nobody knew what the Steelers were getting. Not even the fan base knew what they were getting with Ben Roethlisberger when they drafted him. Okay? The Chargers didn't know what they were getting when they swapped with the Giants and took Phillip Rivers. They didn't know what they were getting in Eli Manning when the Giants went and made that trade. Okay? But the constant in all three organizations was you had the same head coach. Okay. Now, obviously, Roethlisberger started with Cowher, ended with Tomlin. But you had the same philosophies. They never changed. From Cowher to Tomlin, it never changed except for one thing. They became more pass-happy than they were run-happy. Okay? In New York, it was an even keel of both. In San Diego, for a period of time, it was equal. With Darno, it's just, well, we have an inept organization. We can't draft for shit. And we can't keep anybody on the team. How's the guy supposed to progress? You go from one coach to this coach to friggin' Adam Gase? Yeah, okay. Darno stood no chance when Adam Gase came here. And my buddy Rob could definitely agree with that one. You know, you look at right now the situation in San Francisco. Everybody's wondering why Garoppolo hasn't been traded yet. Well, there's two reasons. One, he's coming off a shoulder, uh, shoulder surgery. That's one. And two, they don't trust Trey Lance. They don't trust Trey Lance, which you have to be sitting there. If you're a 49ers fan, I have to ask this question. Why did you trade all the way up to three? If your plan was to get rid of Garoppolo, Matt Jones was your answer. Not Trey Lance. Okay? Everybody was enamored by Trey Lance coming out of North Dakota State. And, oh, look, he's got this killer arm. And, look, he could do this. And this is where these combines and draft days, to me, they don't mean shit. Trey Lance, if you look at him now, should not have even been drafted in the first round. Okay? This is why I don't take stock in the combine. This is why I don't take stock in pro days and and, and all this other shit. Okay? There's scouts scouts out there who get it right and there's scouts who've gotten it wrong. Look at Josh Allen. He was projected to be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And look at Josh Allen now. Okay? I'm not saying Trey Lance can't get there at some point. But right now, all signs are pointing to Trey Lance is going to be the next freaking Sam Bradford or the next Jeff Garcia or Jim Harbaugh where he's just going to wind up bouncing around from team to team and that's going to be his whole career. You know, but getting back to the Baker thing because RG3 said something interesting the other day and this was a day or hours before the trade. And he brought up the whole, you know, if obviously when and if Watson gets suspended, you know, you have to beg Baker to stay. 
And I can understand where RG3 is coming from, but now understand this. Why would you want to stay on an organization that dragged you around, okay, like one of the misfit toys from the movie Toy Story, dragged you around, casted you out, but all of a sudden now, because shit's gone bad with the new toy, you want to bring the old toy back into play with. And for that, again, I compliment Baker Mayfield for standing his ground. Because if Baker Mayfield had turned around and said, okay, I'll come back and play for you, Cleveland, he would look like a fool. Because he would be the lame duck quarterback, and the following year it would be more of the same. I don't blame Baker Mayfield. Honestly, I think Baker needed a change of scenery. I don't think Cleveland... Again, and a lot of Cleveland's problems are from the top to the bottom. Okay? And it starts with the 18 draft. Knowing what we know now, who is in that draft, and who they could have taken number one. And again, I understand, you don't know what these guys are going to be. Did anybody think Patrick Mahomes would be what Patrick Mahomes is? You would only know if you watched Texas Tech college football and have seen Patrick Mahomes play in college. Okay? Would you know, you know, how a lot of these guys would pan out if you watched, if you didn't watch them in college? You're not going to know. And I understand injuries are a big part of it. You know, a guy could be great in college, come into the NFL and be injury prone. And there's been countless guys. Look at Trent Richardson, who was the running back at Alabama. Look, look where his career went. It went to shit. He, he's, he's irrelevant as irrelevant could be now. You know, and then look at guys who went undrafted, like James Harrison, who was a dominant beast on the defensive line for the Steelers for how many years? Look at guys like, you know, look at guys like Julian Edelman. As much as I can't stand players in New England or have played in New England, but look at Edelman. Nobody thought Edelman was going to be what Edelman was going to be. Look at even, I hate to say it, Tom Brady, the Mr. Irrelevant pick. Okay? Who would have thunk that Tom Brady would go on to play 20-plus years and have a Hall of Fame career? Nobody thought it. Nobody thought it. But in the Baker situation, Cleveland was enamored with this whole, like, you know, self-confidence, and that's fine, but it's the overhypeness of, oh, I'm coming to Cleveland, I'm making this team. Listen, you have all these aspirations in the world, but when you don't, when you talk about it on camera, or it's written in an article, and it doesn't produce on the field, this is where guys like me come in, and we bash the living shit out of it, and we will continue to do so. You know, I've already seen Panthers fans. We're a playoff team now with Baker. That's a 50-50 shot. That's a 50-50 shot of making the playoffs. Because a lot can go right and a lot can go wrong. It's the same thing in every division. Like, everybody has, everybody has Pittsburgh being in last place this year. Okay. These are the same people that doubted that they would beat Buffalo week one. Okay? Yeah, I'm going to keep going with that. I'm going to keep going with that. And 
I don't see, I see it being a rough year in Pittsburgh because you don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback. And honestly, I think they're going to go with experience, you know, over the, over Kenny Pickett. Unless Pickett outshines Trubisky to such a standpoint that you have no choice but to make Pickett the the guy, okay? But the, honestly, in my opinion, because I've been asked, they're going to go with Trubisky, and Trubisky's not a bad option. I mean, he took an inept offense in Chicago and took him to the playoffs twice with a douchebag coach in Matt Nagy, okay? And he's got more weapons in Pittsburgh. He's got Najee at running back. Who's gonna Who's gonna have a bigger year than he did last year? Now that this offensive line is vastly improved and a lot bigger, you have Pat Fryermuth, who's gonna have a hell of a second season at tight end. You have Claypool, who's gonna who has matured so much, he's gonna take a big leap this year. You have Deontay Johnson, who's gonna put it all out there this year to get his payday, and. In that situation, people like, you know, they shouldn't overpay him. You know, he drops balls. Listen, his ball drop percentage dropped a lot last year. Okay? I understand in a big moment he had a big drop here and there. I understand that. But what wide receiver hasn't? You mean to tell me Jerry Rice hasn't dropped the ball in a clutch situation? You mean to tell me Randy Moss hasn't? Chris Carter hasn't? I mean, I could name... Hundreds of wide receivers where it's happened. But you're telling me. And, and, and again, I understand not overpaying for Deontay Johnson. I understand it. But again, and I know it's been discussed. So we'll mention this again with the whole overflating contracts. I understand when one team overpays a guy. But that shouldn't be the standard for another guy. Because Deontay Johnson can go out and surpass what Terry McLaurin does and get more. Whether it's in Pittsburgh or somewhere else. You know, it's the same thing with the quarterback situation. Okay, Derek Carr got his money, but he's not worth all that money. You know, I, Raiders fans can come and say, well, hey, you know, Jim, you got 29 game winning drives. Yeah, but he has no Super Bowls. His douchebag brother has a Super Bowl. Granted, he didn't do shit to get it. Okay. The Raiders have been irrelevant in the playoffs for how long now? I mean, maybe this is the year where the Raiders could dethrone the Chiefs, overstep the Broncos, and put the Chargers in the rear view. But when you look at that AFC West, that's gonna that's that's the that's the division everybody's looking at. Everybody's looking at that division because now you have you have Mahomes, now you have Wilson there. Now you and then you have Herbert and you have Derek Carr. Which quarterback is the guy that's going to take their team to the top of the mountain in the AFC West? And I'll be honest, it's probably going to be LA and the Chargers. Because even Philip Rivers came out, and Philip Rivers knew. And, and this is where I commend guys like Philip Rivers when these teams draft their replacements. He said, I knew my time was done, and they nailed the pick with Justin Herbert. Okay? Ryan Tannehill could learn something from Philip Rivers. When they interviewed Tannehill, and we all remember with the whole Malik Willis thing, you know, I'm not here to mentor people, especially ones coming for my job. It's your job to lose. Rivers knew if they brought in Herbert, he was gone. So Philip Rivers handled it maturely. 
where Tannehill's handling it like a three-year-old, where it's like, well, I don't get what I want. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna whine and cry about it on TV. Nobody feels sympathy for you in that situation. Okay. Look at Alex Smith. Alex Smith was the starting quarterback for the Chiefs. They draft Mahomes. Okay. He took Mahomes under his wing and mentored him. There's nothing wrong with that. Eventually, these guys have to realize the older you get, there's going to be somebody nipping at your tail to take your job. They're not just going to take it. They're going to work at it to get it. It's not like it's not like Mike Rabel's going to sit there and say, well, you know, Malik Willis, it's your job now without proving it. It was the same thing in Kansas City. Mahomes had to prove he could take the reins. You know, and Justin Herbert had to prove it in a short time because Tyrod Taylor had his unfortunate situation. Okay, and when you look in Pittsburgh, it's either Trubisky or Pickett that's going to have to earn the spot to take the reins to replace Ben. You know, Daniel Jones had still has to prove that he could replace Eli Manning. You know, that's just how that goes. But in that situation with Tannehill, he's completely wrong for how he acted and what he said, and I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with mentoring a guy coming into the league. You don't have to just mentor him to take your job. You can mentor him in a way where he doesn't make a dumb mistake. You could mentor him and be like, listen, kid, you're going to make a boatload of money, and this is what you should do with it. Not go out and buy 15 houses, 20 cars, because you're not going to live in 15 houses. You're not going to drive 20 fucking cars. And you don't need to buy all your friends watches, TVs, phones, pay all their bills. You don't need to do none of that. Your friends didn't bust their ass on, on this field for years through peewee and JV, JV football, varsity football, and NCAA, no, you did. So why are you rewarding them? Because they stuck by your side? If they were your real friends, they wouldn't take from you. They wouldn't want from you. They would be there with you regardless. And that's what Ryan Tannehill missed the boat on. It's not mentoring somebody to take your job. And so what even if Malik Willis does take your job? So what if you helped him improve? So fucking what? You know, that was the that was a lot of the criticism between Ben and Mason that Ben really didn't want to help Mason improve because Ben was afraid of Mason taking a spot. I don't think Ben ever had any fear of that. I just think Ben knew Mason wasn't the guy. There's just guys who just know they're not the guy to take my spot. Because if you notice, the minute Kenny Pickett got drafted, Ben dialed him up. Anything you need, I'll be right there to help you. Same thing with Mitch Trubisky. Anything you need, I'll come down to the practice facility and help you guys out. So, you know, again, with the whole mentoring thing, it's okay to do it. It's okay to do it. And if the guy takes your job, it's because you're not doing yours. You mentoring somebody not only helps improve them as a player, it helps improve you as a player. Because now you're you're doing certain things, and now you're kind of seeing things you can improve on yourself while helping this kid improve. 
you know, there was another thing I'd seen about like these rookie dinners, and I forget who said it. And they said it's ridiculous that a kid gets drafted into the league and these veterans make this kid go out and these guys are ordering stuff that they know they're not going to eat and you stick them with a $100,000 bill. Is that the smartest thing to do? I understand there's rookie hazing, but that's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. That's just my opinion. Um, But with that being said, I got to get ready to take care of some stuff at work. But I also just wanted to say, you know, as far as the sports podcast community... We are a very strong one. Uh, there's a lot of us on Twitter that always help each other out, retweet, listen to each other's podcasts, promote other people's podcasts. I actually got asked this the other day. You know, they go, you're trying to get your your listening, your, you know, your listener totals up, your total plays up. Why are you helping some other guy or a group of other people get theirs up? Because the way I see it, there's enough room in the sports podcast community for everybody to eat. There's a lot of us that have, we share the same opinions. We have different opinions. And why not let the people listen to all those different opinions and then let them come up with one themselves? You know, there's more than enough room for for Fan in the Van podcast and 1420 Sports Podcast and Average Joe Sports Podcast and every other sports podcast that I either retweet their stuff because they do it for me so I'm going to repay it back and do it for them. You know, that's the thing that that matters most. At least, you know, I'm not in other podcast communities because I don't do, you know, like, a, you know, just random whatever. You know, I'm in the sports podcast community. And for me, with, with the help I've received, it, it's tremendously been appreciative you know, and I don't mind doing it back. You just pay it forward. It's like it's like anything else. So for those that wonder why I do it, that's why I do it. Because it's been done for me and I'm going to repay it. And I'm going to do it in return. And I'll continue to do it. You know, there's some that just, they, they won't do it because they feel, hey, you know, I don't want this guy jumping me in, in, in podcast rankings. Because on good pods, they have rankings for all podcasts. So you have sports and then you have the the indie side of it and I could be proud to say you know I've hopped skipped and jumped big names in in the sports world you know recently there was um oh what's his Colin Cowherd was ranked third but who was above him a guy from New York who isn't on national tv or doesn't have a national sports talk show but I hop, skipped, and jumped him, along with um, another pod, uh, another good sports podcast, Sports Bliss. I forget the the, the two first names. It's early in the morning, so. Um, but they know who they are. One and two, and we've been flip flopping since. And that's the fun part in the sports podcast community is seeing where everybody you helped out, where do they rank? You know, and we're trying to prove a point. That you don't have to be on national TV to know what you're talking about. You don't have to be on national radio sports talk shows to know what you're talking about. That you can go to an indie podcast and get the real deal talk. Because you watch these guys on TV. They have to sugarcoat it because they're not allowed to say fuck shit on TV. And and granted, yeah, uh, you know, 
I pride myself on being a real blunt, honest sports podcast, and so do others. And I'm going to say things the way I want to say them. I'm going to say them how I want to say them. And I'm going to say how I feel. And I don't urge you to agree. I don't urge you to disagree. You know, if you choose, if you choose to listen and you like it, that's fine. You know, listen, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Some people don't like my my outtakes on certain certain situations within the sports world. And that's fine, and you're entitled to it. But the one thing I ask is when you come into my DM box on Twitter and you start rambling on about things you don't know about and I have to educate you and then you block me, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Because people like me, my buddies at 1420 Sports Podcast, Nate's Daily Wagers is another good one you should check out. Um, Average Joe Sports Podcast, all of us as a collective, we all have our own opinions about certain things. But one thing we could agree on is that we will all help each other out. So with that being said, thank you to all those that retweet, follow, and listen. Um, To those that hate, keep hating because I don't think any of us really give a flying fuck. Um, We're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to keep putting in the hard work to bring all of you the good content that we bring you, whether it's daily, every other day, every two days, once a week, whatever it is. And we're going to keep doing it. Because at the end of the day, you can hate all you want, but the people that like us outweigh the ones that hate us. So with that being said, everybody enjoy your wonderful Saturday. I know I'm going to here at Lovely Work. So till the next one, stay safe. And as always, peace.